Hey, motherfuckers. Pardon this interruption for one second as I give one of my usual disclaimers that's very necessary to say. Look, I might talk real good sometimes, but please know that I am just a traumatized motherfucker like you. I research trauma, I relate my own discoveries to our shared experiences, and I share my own reflections on this roller coaster life that I think most of us have known as complex PTSD. But I'm not a professional. I am a master's student in behavioral science. I am a former cellular biologist. I am okay at relaying words that describe the baffling experiences of living with disintegrated, obsessive, and attentionally disordered trauma brains that tend to be riddled with anxiety, depression, and self-fucking destruction. And I'm very, very happy to help in any way that I can. But that's it. As part of our trauma patterning challenges, I think sometimes we get into trauma danger territory when expectations for our shared connections get a little too high. Read every codependent relationship and narcissistic problem in our pasts. Am I right? Yeah. That's it, fuckers. I'm saying I can't counsel you. I can't give you advice without a shrug that comes with. I also can't read your mind or avoid every single person's every trigger. I cannot address every human's individual circumstances. I can only speak from my perspective, from the research, and from those stories that are shared in the traumatized motherfuckers community. Everything else is sort of up to you which I realize is a problem with all of the learned helplessness that we have with our trauma selves and with the tendency we have to believe that every person on this planet knows more than we do. But we all got to do it. So, hey, I think that you should start at the beginning of the show if you are still looking for some early trauma learnings. There's a lot to catch up on straight from my fucked up life to yours. But around here, my name is Jess. I'm just a traumatized motherfucker sharing the good news that you are not alone in feeling broken and damaged and doomed. And I'm here doing my best to support your recovery while I also still have to tackle and manage my own. So I can't wait to meet you and to hang out with you in the community, to see you on the Instagram page, and to keep on this trauma brain-busting journey together. You are not the only one who's always felt this way, and you don't have to wander this alone. But let's get to it, all right? Cheers, fuckers. What up, motherfuckers? It's Jess here. You know, since my days of retiring from science, I honestly didn't think that I was going to go back to getting super nerdy too often. I think I've concentrated a lot on writing from the places that I wasn't allowed to in that industry. There's obviously no room for emotions and what you feel and what you think about things so much as just results and interpretations and expectations for further studies. 
So I will admit I have been reluctant to start dipping my toe back into the world of biology or scientific research because I have a bit of a hangover from doing it for, I don't know, it was like six years, I think. It wasn't that fun. It was very arduous as much as I enjoyed all of that learning about physiology and anatomy and cellular biology. So... I've put this off for a minute, but fuck it. It's time to talk about complex trauma and what is going on with your body, what you're feeling, and also some of the underlying physiological things that you are actually going through, which are causing those feelings inside. So I'm going to try to keep it pretty light. I didn't want to dive too deep back into my physiological textbooks or anything like that, but let's do it. This is PTSD. What is going on with my body? So trauma is a pretty funny thing, huh? You're keeping pace. You're holding a job or forging your way through a normal, quote, normal life, or maybe even leading an impressive one. And then things start going haywire. So maybe it starts with some increased anxiety, depressive spells that start to get deeper and more stubborn than before, some intrusive thoughts and bad dreams, or maybe a sudden onset of brain fog. Things just start feeling more difficult and your life is necessarily changing as you try your best to quell the disruptive emotions. Suddenly, your relationships may start to fall off. You might start missing days of work. Your interest in usual aspects of life start to fade. And then when you start to believe that, you know, things can't get any weirder or messier, yep, that's when your life is going to start to feel akin to a flaming shitbag, when your body starts randomly failing in all sorts of new and mysterious ways. I mean, why not? Throw some more stress on the fiery crap sack. So what goes wrong? What is happening when your body is on high alert all the time? All sorts of things. It's a systemic response to external stimuli, internalized and rooted deep inside of your body. Who knows where things are going to show up, when, or in response to what? Luckily, there are fuckers who've come before you and have a lot of experience dealing with these unforeseen physical problems. So the full list of potential ailments, I'm going to say, is unknown. But fuck, here are some of the common complaints that can't be disputed as physical effects of unmanaged trauma. And why? Triggers. So cool, you're plugging along through life just minding your own business. And then suddenly you're seeing, hearing, smelling, and feeling something totally different. Your body is on fire with stimulation and action potential. You shake, your heart pounds, you hyperventilate, your muscles tense up. You itch to flee that area. You're flooded with physical emotions, terror and anger and confusion. The person in front of you might be transformed into a different human before your eyes. You're experiencing a new time and place, but actually it's an old time and place. You've been triggered. What is this exactly? Your brain is running an old, unprocessed program in response to something happening currently in your environment. So, you know, when you experience a trauma, that means your brain can't integrate the event at that moment when it happened. 
It's too far outside of your normal perception of the world. So in an attempt to protect you and continue on its merry way, your thinker box will start shuttling that file off to a different location instead of trying to patch it into the current programming. So you might not access that file right away or for years maybe until the day that you do. And then when that unresolved memory is dredged up, you fucking relive it. Because it hasn't been processed as an event in your past, your brain puts you back in the shoes that you were wearing at the time of the recording. This means you start to re-experience the emotions, the external stimuli, and the internal landscape of that point in time. So your brain was just trying to protect you and it made this faulty saving error. But once you rediscover the file, it probably doesn't fit so nicely back into the folder where it came from. You might start to begin experiencing nightmares and repeat triggerings until you finally can process and integrate the memory with the help of a professional. This might be your first experience with what we now easily recognize as trauma. And undoubtedly, a triggering is going to shake you. What's the answer to being triggered? Well, other than learning to ground yourself and calm your physiology, I don't think there really is one. So you're going to need to get professional help with a trauma-informed therapist, maybe one with EMDR certification, which kind of helps to turbo boost your re-triggering recovery. It's all a learning experience, really, just figuring out what triggers you and why and what to do about it in the aftermath. So you can try to change your life to avoid triggers, but you know it's not always going to be possible to eliminate them or avoid them. And avoidance is already a problem for traumatized motherfuckers. Coping skills are going to be your best friend. Next up, panic attacks. So what the fuck is this? I can't breathe, I'm shaking, my arms are numb, my heart is pounding, my vision is closing in, I'm sweating profusely, and I feel like this might be the end. Hey, it's your first panic attack. I hope you weren't planning on leaving the house right now because you're about to be bowled over. If you've already left the house, well shit, that distance from safety is probably going to drive you further into another panic attack. I'm really sorry for the bad news, but like, welcome to the trauma club, I guess. What's the next step up from overwhelming anxiety? It's a full-blown panic attack. Nervous system overdrive, your fear response to the extreme. Basically, your brain is telling everyone that the house is burning to the ground and your body is trying to respond to the perceived life-threatening stimuli. You're being flooded with adrenal hormones and your physiology is following the chain of command, like it should. But that signal is faulty. It's trigger happy, figuratively and literally, when we're talking about tra trauma. So what do you do now? Well, you're going to want to make sure that you can get somewhere safe. You're going to want to tell your friends and family that you're now experiencing this system overload. You're going to want to learn how to ground yourself with breathing and visualization exercises ASAP. 
Panic attacks don't have to become regular, but it seems like people are going to experience a few if they experience one. I know that some folks benefit from going on medication for acute panic and anxiety attacks. And if your world is feeling unpredictable or your life is being negatively impacted by these unexpected breakdowns, I think it's not a bad idea to ask a medical professional for some medical intervention as a solution. Longer term, it's going to take coping exercises and grounding techniques that you can learn with a professional therapist. You can start doing some research now online. I recommend that you get as much information as you can and start practicing. Let's talk about exhaustion. Who's chronically tired to the point of nearly fainting? Can't stand up, can't get out of bed, can't raise their hands over their heads, can't see straight half the time. Uh, Me, a few years ago. So let's go ahead and assume that you're not sleeping well, if at all. Obviously, that's your first answer. (laughs) Secondly, are you eating right? Or have you been filling your face with comforting foods and substances? It's obviously not helping either. Lastly, to get into the physiology of it, when you're running on cortisol and adrenaline day after day, those are your stress hormones, it does more than drive your body to create a beer belly. You're going to exhaust your system and move into the realm of adrenal fatigue. What starts as an effort to keep you primed for action and ready to flee Well, it eventually wears out after months and years of the same factory pumping out steroids at full blast. You literally exhaust your adrenal cortex and you enter the medically disputed territory of adrenal fatigue. What happens then? Well, your hormonal control center is broken, bitch. Just get ready for basically everything to be dysregulated in your system because that's what hormones do. You're going to notice disruptions in your appetite, your sleep pattern, your immune system function, your blood pressure. Your bodily messengers aren't being appropriately regulated and your normal physiological functions aren't going to be either. So your electrolyte balance is going to go wonky in particular, and that is going to contribute to your sense of this physical exhaustion. You know, sodium, potassium, They're the ions that make your cells send electrical signals to each other, in essence. Well, they're the basis of your system functioning as a system, as one cohesive unit. So how do you tell your body to get a move on? How do you lift your arms up? You can't when you don't have any action potential in your cells because your potassium and sodium are all fucked. Those days that you can't move, that you've got nothing left, you might consider that you're having adrenal fatigue. The fix? Well, outside of physical relaxation techniques and therapy over long periods of time, there are some holistic supplements you might want to check out. For starters, I took ashgandwaha and B vitamin complexes for years. Did they help? I don't know, maybe, maybe not as much as the placebo effect is real. Definitely not as much as fixing my head and my diet over a long period of time helped, though. 
If you're feeling mentally exhausted, I mean, consider the fact that your brain is effectively living two different lives. There's the one you're experiencing now, and there's the unprocessed one from your childhood. Your emotions are tiring. Trying to process and integrate experiences from the past while dealing with the ones happening in the present and your subsequent triggerings, oh my god, that's like a mental obstacle course to try to navigate every day. Like, is it hard to imagine that you're wearing your brain function down between all of these mental illness management efforts you're making and trying to process deeply repressed memories? Again, with a lack of sleep and probably improper nutrition? No, that all sounds right. All of those things feed into each other, yeah? So what can you do? Take care of yourself as much as you can. Reduce the symptoms you can manage separate from your trauma responses. Like eating right and exercising and practicing good sleep hygiene and cutting out addictive substances. Let's talk about random illnesses and pains. So have you always been sickly or is that shit just popping up out of the blue these days? When we're talking about complex trauma, it's hard not to talk about the onset of immune disorders and assorted physical ailments. Like we're discussing, your system gets out of whack and there are consequences. You finally, or you suddenly find yourself getting paranoid and a bit obsessive about health because you feel like something is always going wrong and in new and mysterious ways every day. Are you up all night reading WebMD and fearing certain demise? Yeah, that's the health anxiety that comes with these random biology failures. When your system is going haywire thanks to your dysregulated hormones, as we've already described, illnesses are bound to happen. Your immune system is being put through its paces, ramped up and depressed, depending on the ruling hormone of the day. If your system isn't being directly suppressed to redirect energy towards your fight and flight organs, well, then it's being dialed up by inflammatory responses. And over time, this increased immune response is going to wear you out or slip you right into autoimmune disease overdrive. Plus, anytime you mess with your sleep schedule, you immediately lower your immune system function. I think I remember some statistic that one night of poor sleep contributes to something like a 30% decrease in immune function. That's insane. Now on top of all of that, throw in the digestive upset that you're probably experiencing all at the same time. So too much shitty foods, snacking, or having too few foods in general, means you're not getting the right calories or nutrients from your food to support your health. The comforts of sugars and weird indigestible goodies that are found in the most delicious noms all come together and suddenly your body is facing a biochemical fucking nightmare. It's just stress from all ends with your well-meaning internal defense system. So if you've never had a sinus infection before, get the fuck ready. If you've always been gifted to eat whatever you fancied, 
It's probably time to get a food journal for your upcoming exclusion diet. If you've always been cocky about your excellent teeth, it's mouth infection time. If you've felt bad for people with chronic migraines, bad news, welcome to the club. I hope that it ends there because it can get a lot worse. Over time, a lot of people commonly develop things like multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease, life-altering allergies, and beyond. I have my own personal suspicions about the links to PCOS and diabetes and Raynaud's disorder. And I mean, what can you do? The same advice as I keep giving you. Quit fucking around and making it worse. Be accountable for your physical health in the ways that you can manage. Stop cheating on that diet. Stop consuming things that upset your system. Get outside and move your ass on a regular basis. Do not try to escape from discomfort with alcohol or cigarettes or other addictive sensation dollars. Give it time. Learn how to live a healthier life. There's really nothing flashy to fix this issue. Just old-fashioned responsibility, accountability, and commitment to trying to feel less awful. You probably are going to start also experiencing either a lack of diet or, or a lack of appetite or too much appetite. I mean, what's up with eating anyways? Sometimes you want to, sometimes you don't want to, sometimes you do it and you don't even realize that there's material being shoveled into your mouth. If you're feeling super hungry, there's a good chance that you're just feeling stressed out or not sleeping at night or you're in some level of continual physical discomfort. And it makes sense. If you're walking around all the time feeling unsettled and uncomfortable on the inside, you might become an emotional eater. It's easier to avoid these feelings with distractions than it is to deal with them. And I think the funnest distraction of them all is putting snacks in your mouth. With years of anxiety comes years of salty, sugary coping in the refrigerator, the couch, and your bed. And then years of depression for becoming a chubby bunny. Plus, it is a real phenomenon that your appetite ramps up when you aren't sleeping at night. Hormonal deregulation following a single bad night of sleep pumps up your ghrelin, which is the chemical that tells your tum that you're hungry. And guess what it wants the most? The most energy-packed foods that you can think of. Those times of intense insomnia that you felt were correlated with craving frappuccinos and ice cream and breakfast cereal, that's a real relationship. No sleep, all eat, and all the worst things. On the other hand, do you ever just forget to eat? Like you're feeling hungry all day, but then you sit down to eat and once there's food in front of your face, you're nauseous rather than enticed. Maybe your stomach wants some attention, but for some reason you just kind of relish in the feeling instead of ending it. Or maybe you don't feel a single grumble from your stomach all day and you literally just let the hours pass without giving it a thought. Yeah. Anxiety, anxiety, you're probably dealing with a lot. When your system is more concerned with survival and emotional wallowing than putting calories in, something is wrong. 
Those stress hormones are probably pumping again, the adrenaline kind. There's no time for foraging for food when you think you're under attack. You can't stop and have a fucking cheeseburger in the middle of a chase. So your appetite suppression is going to be ramped up so that you can stay alert and mobile rather than being stuffed and sleepy. On the days that you can't force food down, all right guys, don't quote me on this, but weed, smoke some weed, eat your heart out. Just try not to make it a habit. All right, let's talk about digestive upset. Uh, what's your deal? Do you have emergencies or do you have prolonged, prolonged bouts of bowel discomfort? AKA too much poop or too little poop? Where are you follow, following on the spectrum of bowel hooliganery? Because I think that a majority of people fall on one end or the other of the spectrum. Namely, the emergency end, which means runny, upset poops when they're under stress. I think that this might be more common or else it's just more commonly accepted as a real problem because the side effects can be super shitty. I'm sorry. (laughs) Running into the bathroom before important meetings? That makes sense. Running into the bathroom 24-7 because your system is lit up like a Christmas tree? That's not manageable. I will be open right now and I will tell you that I fall on the weirder side of the spectrum, the not enough side when I'm stressed. My body just straight up stops digesting foods when it's ready for us to run away from danger and it thinks we're in danger a lot more often than we'd like. I mean, for years I suffered with this to an extreme degree. I'm talking like success once a week and I wasn't exactly keeping my eating under control at that time, so there was a lot backing up down the line. Did people accept that that experience was real for me? No. Doctors absolutely believed that I was imagining that being real in my life. But um, if you've ever had to drink the preparatory 64 ounces of colonoscopy diuretic, you know what happens. I have done it before and literally nothing happened to me. I mean, no thing happened. Uh, After I couldn't have the procedure done because of the industrial strength laxative failing, at least a doctor or two believed me that there was something going on with my system. Then they just told me it was in my head and kind of sent me on my way. So that's great. The psychosomatic connection is still definitely not respected. But it's real. And what can we do about these digestive speed issues? Man, again, all you can really do is learn to calm down your body. And it's a lot easier said than done. But it's going to start with your diet and with your head. Your thought patterns are probably driving your physiological stress responses. When or if you ever get a grip on finding some semblance of inner peace, I know, fuck me, I hate those words too. You can start to chill out your entire system. Until then, I'm going to say the same things. Lead your life with good behaviors. Make sure you're doing everything you actually can to offset your issues. Eat well. Keep a consistent sleep schedule. Get your body moving every day. Make sure you're eating fiber and not eating sugar. Get whole foods into your body and reduce the chance of added 
ingredients irritating your intestinal lining. Drink a lot of water. Plus, fucking stop with the alcohol already, please. It's not helping. Cut your caffeine. Forget about smoking cigarettes. Does that sound like hell? It did to me too. But once you start living without the constant discomfort of all of your other issues, you seriously won't care. It's all worth the effort. The relief is amazing. So find a diet and a lifestyle that doesn't cause you more distress and you will thank yourself later. Even if it necessitates having intense self-control on donut day, you can do it. Let's discuss acid reflux. The next aspect of digestive hell. It seems to be a super popular one. Why? I have no fucking clue. The internet says that there's no proven mechanism that links anxiety and acid reflux, but holy fuck, there is a lot of connective data. There seems to be this mystery behind it that's still stumping scientists at this point, but that doesn't mean it ain't real. I know for a fact that it is after five to seven years of burning, churning misery in my life. Seriously, most of my 20s were plagued with debilitating acid reflux that had no start or end. Waking up in the morning in pain, getting worse throughout the day, writhing in bed at night, literally woken up from my already terrible sleep by the pain in my stomach. I tried everything you could imagine, family-sized containers of Tums, all the prescription drugs that I could try, eating bunches of bananas that semi-buffered the fire in my gut. At best, there was mild relief. At worst, I couldn't function because the pain was so significant, and it's hard to concentrate when it feels like your stomach and esophagus are being shredded from the inside. What can you do? Other than avoiding foods that are going to provoke your gastric acid reflux even more, you have to fix your head to reduce your anxiety. Diet-wise, start cutting out the abrasive acidic foods that are hard on your stomach and difficult to digest. This means go whole, man. Stop with the pre-made anything because you have no idea what's in there. The less ingredients, the better. It's not worth the convenience when you're burping up fire and gripping your gut all day. Also, cut out your tomatoes, spicy foods, alcohol, cigarettes, coffee, tea, juices, and anything that contains sugar. I promise sugar is not your friend. Then give it two or three weeks. Go exclusive with your diet. Give it a few weeks. See how you feel. It's a place to start. Seriously, don't cheat on the restricted diet. I know it feels terrible and impossible, but you are only cheating yourself. Give yourself the chance to see if it feels better. A quick word of encouragement because I know it really blows. I literally don't have any acid reflux anymore. It went from a 365 day a year problem to maybe a couple of hours a year when I've knowingly fucked myself over with too many harshly acidic things or making the mistake of accepting a Bloody Mary at brunch. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Other than that, I eat whatever I want and I don't have that problem anymore. I swear to God. All right. I think 
One of the last things is a pregnant belly, some tiny limbs, and a moon face. So let's say you're eating pretty well and you've been getting a good amount of exercise. Are you still having a raging fupa no matter what you do? What the fuck is that? Ah, honey, that's cortisol. Lord knows it's the bane of my existence. You want to talk about messed up hormones? This one is my worst. When you are stressed out, your body releases cortisol to boost your immune system, to regulate your metabolism, and to mobilize your energy reserves to keep them readily available for fleeing, right? It's for your protection, so you're primed for that fight-flight response. But when cortisol is elevated chronically, practically it builds up a tire around your lower gut and runs your system into the ground. With high cortisol, every calorie you consume is going to be shuttled right to your belly as your muscles waste away. Your body wants to have this spare glucose floating around in your system so that it's ready for running, but that means it's going to break down your proteins and to create new glucagon, that's your available glucose, to have on ready. So your body has a lot of free-floating glucose and then it's stored as a protective layer of fat around your gut at the end of the day when it isn't used. This is why people wind up with tiny arms and legs that don't match their enormous bellies. They look like alcoholics because their body is turning proteins into carbs and carbs are stored around your gut. Even if you're thin, you can suffer from this cortisol-induced effect. You will have a chronically pregnant-looking belly. And to make the physiological joke even funnier, the more you try to diet and exercise, the more you might accidentally send your body these survival signals, telling them something is wrong and increasing your cortisol and adding to the FUPA issue. Great. What can you do? You're going to have to learn how to calm yourself. Your system needs to take a break and it's going to take time and it's going to feel next to impossible. When life rears its ugly head, you're probably going to be back at square one because you have a well-developed stress response. It's infuriating and it's frustrating. But hey, that's part of the fucking trauma life. So I recommend you just get into therapy and start taking care of yourself and building self-care practices and de-stressing grounding techniques into your daily life so that you can start living and start wearing the shirts that you hate because you can't fit into them anymore. Let's get into dissociation. One day, you might randomly realize something shockingly new and novel. You're feeling, feeling your emotions and feeling your bodily sensations Realizing that your feet are on the ground, that your stomach exists, and that your chest is a flutter with some kind of energetic signaling. What is this? Why does this seem so strange right now? Um, that's probably because you're actually noticing your body for the first time in a few months or years. Your brain is suddenly receiving signals from your meat jacket, and it's apparently been a while since they've been returning each other's calls. You presumably aren't paraplegic, so why does it feel that way? What has been going on here? Oh, fucker, you've been dissociating. 
Is this a brain symptom or a body symptom? It's kind of both. Your brain is blocking out the messages being sent from your bod, and it seems like your physique hasn't exactly been persistent. Like it's been in hibernation, just waiting for the day when it's going to be hurt again. Why does this happen? Well, like always, to protect you, it's trying its best. I mean, you've already heard this whole laundry list of horrific physical ailments that I've described, which come with a traumatized life. Is it really any wonder that your brain wants to shut out the screaming signals that have been coming from your gut and your muscles and your incessant back pain, let alone all the stabbing pains of big emotions that have been twisting your stomach and crushing your chest? No. If you ask me, it makes a whole lot of fucking sense. Let's just cut that phone line until we stop receiving so many disturbing calls. So in the same way that your brain tries to protect you with numbing and endorphin release during a traumatic event, it'll fall back on that old survival coping method when you're now living with the physical symptoms of unmanaged trauma being re-triggered. It's just easier that way, cutting out some of the unwelcome stimulation that's polluting your overwhelmed brain until the day you actually want to feel something, that is. I mean, turning off these emotions becomes problematic if you can't turn them back on. (laughs) Keeping your brain separate from your chronically hungry and exhausted signals is an okay plan until it decreases your physical wellness and enables bad habits like overeating. Getting back in touch with your body is pretty imperative for the mindfulness and anxiety management aspects of recovery. And it really might be an uphill climb to feel safe even connecting to your physical reality again. So what can you do? You're going to hate this, but the yoga hipsters are onto something here. Getting into your body can be accomplished with gentle exercise that increases your present focus, like yoga and Pilates, any kind of conscientious physical activity, Even like going for long walks or swimming might help to reform that connection. Meditation is also going to be a useful tool, but I think that quietly watching your thoughts is pretty inaccessible to a lot of us when our brains are already screaming at full volume. Besides, I know in my recovery, physical movement has been key. I have to break that freeze state and get some energy into my stomach and limbs to reconnect. Sitting around and calling it meditation, that kind of just drives up my anxiety. And then I end up migrating back to the refrigerator to escape that discomfort with a new one. So fuckers, there's a little list of some of the things that you might experience. With that, you're also going to go through insomnia and migraines and back pains and shoulder seizures and so many random ailments that seem to pop up in all of us when we have unprocessed things floating around and clinging inside of our bodies. It really does wear down your system over time. The physical sensations are real. Please do not get the phrase psychosomatic twisted to think that it means that it's all in your head because it doesn't stay there. If you're going through any of this, I'm sorry. I feel you. And if you need to connect with somebody, please reach out to me. 
I have years of living in hell that I can gladly talk about. I can tell you I have none of these things anymore. I don't take prescription meds. <laughs> I used to be on thyroid medicine and on sleep aids and I was on metformin, a pre-diabetic prescription. And I've been on everything for acid reflux and daily ibuprofen for migraines and muscle relaxers. I have been through a lot of medical interventions trying to figure my shit out. And none of it really helped. It was getting my shit right, getting a routine that worked for me, getting psychological help, and taking care of myself the way that I deserved day after day for long periods of time and my system has fixed itself. I don't get sick anymore. I don't get migraines. I don't have these digestive upsets. Everything is different. Motherfuckers, I even sleep at night and I've struggled with that since I was a tiny child. Get started on your recovery. It's hard, but the sooner you get started, the better, all right? You can hit me up anytime at t-mfrs.com if you want to talk about it or if I've missed something important that needs to be added. Take care of yourself, guys, and I'll talk to you fuckers soon. Bye-bye. And I still believe that we're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in shortened moments. We can't do anything. We're fucking jokers. We're winning when you blink. It's